Let's bring some Britpop back to the Super Hits podcast as we talk about Wonderwall by Oasis. You know this song, but let's talk about it anyways. Here we go. So uh, anyway, here's Wonderwall. Friends, my name is Jimmy C, and he slipped with my lies. The show is super hits, and it's episode 139. My guest is my son, his name is Aaron. The dude looks fortified as his dad's bored. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let me just hold on here. Woo. Oh, thank you yeah. so much, Phyllis. Thank Woo. you so much. That, Musical I, masterpiece. Was that a live yes, performance? Exactly. That was yeah, a live was a performance, live... yes. Oh, crazy times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. So as I just sang, it's episode 139 of the Super Hits Podcast. Uh, obviously, I'm Jamie C. Megamix.com. And uh, we've got uh, the Slip Man, Slip of Five Eyes, Big Man Alan. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, he's been wanting to join us for some time now. It's my son, Aaron. Uh, I would call you. I would call you the little man, Aaron. But you are now almost as tall as me. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. That's that's not Since very hard. Last spoke to be at the eating supper like five minutes ago. Yeah, but not not hard to be taller than you. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you know. That's true. Yeah, that that guy's like five foot three. <laughs> oh, <I know>. Woo. <laughs> this dude's like five six almost. Nice. He's, he's knocking on the door. Um, we're talking Oasis today and their 1995-96 hit, Wonderwall. Fellas, uh, let's just talk a bit first about each of your uh, Oasis fandom. Uh, Aaron, what got you um, into the band? Um, I like their music. Um, they have good albums, and I like how the brothers hate each other. Hey, That's good fantastic. reason. Hey, yeah. man, what about you? You've been an Oasis fan for some time. I mean, since this album... I was, yeah. and then my fandom has grown over the years. I liked all the stuff that they put out, and uh, but particularly in the last, like, I don't know, since I moved to Toronto eight years ago, uh, yeah. getting getting a lot more into, like, the full LPs, including Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, which is a criminally underrated album, but also yes. all the B-sides. There's so much to dig into, and uh, also, yes, uh, same as Aaron, I like that the brothers are two jerks. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, we're going to do the usual. I'm going to lead you today, uh, and these two are going to pepper in some other thoughts as we go. Um, so why don't we just get right into it? Here we go. So uh, a little bit of background for you on Oasis. In 1991, uh, bassist Paul McGigan, a.k.a. Giggsy, uh, guitarist Paul Arthurs, a.k.a. Bonehead, uh-huh. drummer Anthony McCarroll, a.k.a. Tony, and singer Chris Hutton formed a band called The Rain. Um, unsatisfied with Hutton singing, uh, Bonehead invited on adi- and auditioned his acquaintance Liam Gallagher as a potential replacement. Uh, Liam suggested that the band name it, the names uh, be changed to Oasis, uh, inspired by an Inspiral Carpets tour poster in the uh, childhood bedroom that he shared with his brother Noel. Uh, that that poster listed the Oasis Leisure Center in Swindon as a venue for the show. Little Swindon shout out to uh-huh. our new uh, original office. Fans. <laughs> yes. Um, Oasis played their first gig on August 14th, 1991 at the Boardwalk Club in Manchester at the bottom of the bill below bands like Catchmen and Sweet Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh, Noel, who was uh, working as a roadie for Inspired Carpets, went with them to watch Liam's band play. He and his friends did not think that Oasis sounded particularly good, uh, but he began to consider the possibility of using the group as an outlet for a series of songs he had been writing for several years. Um, Noel approached the group about joining on the provision that he would become the band's sole songwriter and leader. Uh-huh. I love it. Uh, and that they would commit to an earnest pursuit of commercial success. Uh, Bonehead recalled, "We had loads of stuff written. He had loads of stuff written. When he walked in, we were a band making a racket with four tunes. All of a sudden, there were loads of ideas. So yeah, being the principal songwriter, absolutely, clearly, that was the right idea. Yep." Um, under Noel, the band crafted a musical approach that replied, relied on simplicity with Bonehead and Giggsy restricted to playing bar chords and root bass notes. Uh, Tony playing basic rhythms and the band's amplifiers turned up to create distortion. Uh-huh. And I'm sure lots of feedback intros. 
Well, no, only on that uh, one album because of, uh, album. because true. they were doing things that I uh, that Aaron you should never do. <laughs> so, like 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 forty second uh, feedback intros. Yeah. Yes, that that would be nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Oasis thus created a sound described as being uh, so devoid of finesse and complexity uh, that it came out sounding pretty much unstoppable. Uh, after over a year of live shows, rehearsals, and recording of a demo in May '93, they were uh, the band was spotted by the Creation Records co-owner Alan McGee. Gotta love our McGees. <laughs> uh-huh. Oasis were invited to play a gig at King Tut's Wawa Hut Club in Glasgow. I love King Tut's Wawa Hut. Wonderful name. Amazing. By the band Sister Lovers, who shared the rehearsal room. Uh, Oasis, along with a group of friends, hired a van and made the journey to Glasgow. When they arrived, they were refused entry as they were not on that night's set list. Uh, oh, sorry. They and McGee since have given contradicting statements about how they actually ended up entering the club. I'm sure it was a crazy story. Uh-huh. Uh, they were given the opening spot. They impressed McGee, who was there to see a band called 18 Wheeler, one of his own bands that he'd signed. Uh, McGee offered them a recording contract. However, they didn't sign for a few months. Uh, due to problems securing an American contract, Oasis signed a worldwide contract with Sony, uh, which then licensed Oasis to creation in the U.K., uh, following a limited white label release of the demo of their song Columbia, Oasis went on a UK tour to promote the release of their first single, which was Supersonic, uh, playing venues such as the uh, Turnbridge Wells Forum, which was a converted public toilet. Amazing. Uh, Supersonic released in April 94, reached number 31 in the UK. I was followed by Shaker Maker, uh, which would become the subject of a plagiarism lawsuit. Uh, <laughs> Oasis ended up paying $500,000 in damages. Uh, basically, the melody for the verse in Shaker Maker was re- was just basically lifted from "I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing." Sure was by Roger by Roger Cook, uh-huh. Roger Greenway, Bill Backer, and Billy Davis. Anyway, their third single, "Live Forever," was their first enter the top ten of the UK single chart, and "Live Forever" is awesome. "Live Forever," which uh, Noel Gallagher claims he's like, yeah. Then I just sat down and wrote it, and it was great. It was like, come on, like in like half an hour, he's like, I just wrote "Live Forever," and it's a great song, and I did it. That's Noel Gallagher. <laughs> Noel Gallagher for you. Um, uh, no, sorry, not, one more story about Live Forever. Noel Gallagher uh, did a solo tour about a month ago. Uh-huh. So we saw him play here in Toronto, and he mm-hmm. there was a girl there, probably like 10 years old, that they put on the video screen. She had a big sign, my first concert, coming to see Noel. Because you have to yeah. say specifically Noel, not yes. Liam. <laughs> yes, who is clearly not there. Yeah, and uh, so he dedicated Live Forever for her, and uh, uh-huh. they showed her on the screen as he's singing it. And she's like in tears, right? And everyone's like, aw. Yeah. And then at the end of the song, he's like, well, that's probably the best moment of your life. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, my God. Anyways. Uh, so after a trouble recording and mixing sessions, Oasis's debut album, debut album, Definitely Maybe, was released uh, in August 1994. It uh, entered the UK album chart at number one within a week of its release. And at the time, uh, and at the time, it became the fastest selling debut album in the UK. Yep. Uh, nearly a year of constant live performances and recordings along with a hedonistic lifestyle. That's the Wickeye's words. Uh, those uh, apparently damaged the band. Uh, this behavior culminated during a gig in L.A. in September 94, leading to an inept performance by Liam, during which he made offensive remarks about American audiences and then hit Noel with a tambourine. <laughs> I'm sure it's the only time that there will have been problems. So they, they <laughs> patched it up and everything was smooth from then on. <laughs> Uh, upset Noel, get this, he temporarily quit the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, he flew to San Francisco. Um, that with that little trip to San Francisco, I guess, is the uh, basis for the song Talk Tonight. Um, he was tracked down by Creation's Tim Abbott. And they made a trip to Las Vegas. Once there, he was persuaded to continue with the band. He reconciled with Liam, and the tour was resumed in Minneapolis. So Talk Tonight, which is on the American single for, for Wonderwall, yes. um, was apparently a woman in... Uh, San Francisco claimed that he wrote it about her, yes. and uh, she was kind of like his, you know, his his comfort when he was away from the band. Yes. And then mm-hmm. later on, they were like, "Oh, you wrote it about that woman," and he was basically like, "What woman?" <laughs> so <laughs> I love Noel Gallagher so much. Yep, they're both so great. Uh-huh. Uh, the group followed up with the fourth single from Definitely Maybe, which was "Cigarettes and Alcohol," and the Christmas single "Whatever." Um, in December 94, and that, of course, it was a Christmas song in the UK, so it entered the charts at number three. Um, in April 95, some might say, became their first number one UK single. At the same time, uh, Tony was ousted from the band. Um, he said that he was unlawfully expelled from the partnership for what he called a personality clash with 
Noel and Liam. Well, they they thought that he was a crap drummer, and I think he kind of was. So yeah, the Gallagher's were critical of his musical yeah. ability. Noel said, "I like Tony as a geezer, but he wouldn't have been able to drum the new songs." <laughs> yes. Um, he was replaced by Alan White, aka Whitey, <laughs> formerly of the band Star Club, and the brother of the percussionist Steve White, who was recommended to Noel by Paul Weller. Uh, White made his debut with Oasis on a Top of the Pops performance of Some Might Say. They began recording material for their second album that May. During this period, the British press seized upon a supposed rivalry between uh, Oasis and another Britpop band, Blur. Yep. Uh, previously, Oasis had not associated with the Britpop movement and were not invited to perform on the BBC's Britpop Now program introduced by Blur singer David Albarn. They were kind of on the periphery of that movement. I mean, they sounded a lot different than most of those bands. On August 14th, 95, Blur and Oasis released singles on the same day, setting up the battle of Britpop that dominated the national news. Do you know who won that battle? Yeah, Blur won it because they released a better song. So Blur released Country House yep. and Oasis released Roll With It. Country House is absolutely a better song. So they outsold Roll With It, Blur did, with uh, selling about 274,000 copies to 216,000 copies in the first week. But of course, Oasis's management argued that uh, Country House had sold more because it was less expensive. Yes, the, bl- the Blur-Oasis divide, our friend Stu has told this story before. But Oasis are basically like the blue collar northern band, whereas Blur are like the, you know, the charter house, pompous, arrogant, rich boy band. And that was a big divide in the UK. And you're an Oasis guy. You're not a Blur guy. Well, I'm more, way more, way more Oasis than Blur. But Blur has grown on me a lot in the last, uh, like, you know, five or six years. Yeah, I was always Oasis, but, you know, but yeah, Blur is the one... So Blur, Aaron, they would be like they would be like the cool version, <laughs> whereas Oasis was like the the like the Big Bang Theory. Of, well, of anything's the, uh... cool compared to Oasis. <laughs> oh, oh, he likes Oasis, but he's he's got some thoughts already. Well, and then there was, um... and then also Aaron, there was Pulp, who were like, you know, they were also kind of a pompous band, but uh, probably critically the most renowned of the three. So yeah, they said also it was expensive and because it was less expensive because there were two versions of the Country House single with different B-sides, forcing the band to buy two copies. Yes. So, um, Creation said there were problems with the barcode on the roll with its single case, which did not record all sales, of course. Noel told The Observer that, in that, in that, that September that he hoped members of Blur would yep. catch AIDS and die. Yes, sure did. Which caused... Which, of course, caused a media furor. He apologized in a formal letter to various publications because, you know, it was that big of a deal to them. So. Uh-huh. And look, I mean, yeah. this was a big deal, I guess, to them at the time. But, like, over the long run, what has Oasis got to complain about? So Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. So, uh, Giggsy briefly left Oasis in September 95. He was citing nervous exhaustion. He's replaced by Scott McLeod, a.k.a. Scott McLeod, <laughs> uh, formerly of the Yayas, who had featured on some of the tour dates as well as on the Wonderwall video, which we'll talk about later, uh, before leaving abruptly while on tour in the U.S. Uh, McLeod contacted Noel saying he felt he had made the wrong decision. Noel replied, I think you have two. <laughs> uh, good luck signing on. And to complete the tour, old Giggsy was persuaded to return. Um, although a softer sound initially led to mixed reviews, uh, Oasis' second album, which was uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory, was a worldwide commercial success. It's sell, uh, selling over 4 million copies uh, and becoming the fifth best-selling album in UK chart history. By 20, 2008, it sold up to 22 million copies globally, uh, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time worldwide. An all-time great um, album. All-time great. Yeah. Uh, the best-selling album, album of all time is uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller at about 51 million. Uh, What's a Story, Morning Glory comes in at about 71st all time. And uh, hey, guess what album is ranked number 44 of all time, boys? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Is it Purple Rain? It's Purple Rain by by our friend Prince. Oh, how did I guess that? So uh, on the heels of that totally random fact, let's take a little bit of a closer look at Wonderwall. So Wonderwall was recorded at Rockfield Studio in Rockfield, Wales in May 95 during the uh, What's a Story, Morning Glory sessions. It's written by Noel Gallagher. It was produced by Noel Gallagher and their album producer Owen Morris. According to Song Facts, Noel Gallagher sat on a wall overlooking a sheep field outside Rockfield Studios in Wales, Rockfield Studios in Wales, when he put the song to tape. In the Return to Rockfield documentary film, he recalled saying to co-producer Owen Morris, I've got this song called Wonderwall. I want to record it on a wall. So. Sure. 
Gallagher went on to remember that a lot of sheep were watching me do Wonderwall. I don't know who was more freaked out, me or them. Um, it was produced in a half day using a technique uh, that has been known as brickwalling, uh, which is uh, intensifies the sound of the song. Um, brickwalling, a.k.a. the brickwall mastering technique, was a trend and maybe still is. I don't know. Um, I think it was more of a trend in the 90s of uh, increasing audio levels in recorded music, which uh, reduces audio fidelity. And according to many critics, listener enjoyment. Uh -huh. um, with the advent of the compact disc, uh, music is encoded to a digital format with a clearly defined maximum peak amplitude. Once the maximum amplitude of a CD is reached, loudness can be st increased still further through signal, signal processing techniques such as dynamic range compression and equalization. Basically, the loudness war. Yeah. Oasis was right in it. Yes, they were. As, as loud as possible. Don't let the person turn up the volume. Just blast them when they're at like a like. Hey, I'm gonna put. I, I have my stereo at a four. My headphones. We're gonna blast you with it as loud as possible, so that there's no. You know, it loses all intricacy. Like there's there's nothing unique or wonderful about Oasis music. It's loud. No. It's yes. it's very like common. Uh, like chords. It's it's a lot of it's ganked from stuff that you've heard, or yes. from styles that you've heard, and it's got big choruses. It's just like sing along. Anthems. That's all it is. Yes. But it's it's perfect. It it totally works. But again, like blur pulp, probably more like creatively, uh, yeah. and smart music. But Oasis yes. went for the money. Populist. It's a populist version of yep. uh, a UK music. Aaron, you have been doing a lot of listening to like Iron Maiden and like Polyphia and like a lot of prog rock tool. Uh, what did do, do, do you notice? The simplicity of Oasis, and uh, do, do you like that, or do you wish they were a little more complex? Yeah, the simplicity like makes it, it what it is. Like it's no Slipknot where you hear nine different people just screaming their lungs out at one moment, <laughs> or no Polyphia where where like you it's practically not even music at some points where it's just guitar. Yeah, but. it's it's like like the big man said, it's sing along music for sure. Yeah. So, uh, journalist Nick Southall, who had written excessively on the loudness war, commented, if there's a jump-the-shark moment as far as CD mastering goes, then it's probably Oasis. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Um, all the band members, except for uh, Giggsy, contributed to the recording, with Noel being the one who plays bass on the track. Um, I noticed that when we saw them live uh, back in 2008 or nine, And um, I have it later on in, the, in my script. But um, where the bass playing live was way less complex than on the, on the actual... <laughs> recording yep uh very clear it's a very nice uh interest, intricate bass line played by noel uh the opening riff of wonderwall is uh, heard at the beginning of the song hello which leads off uh the what's the story morning glory uh album um according to the wiki wonderwall is written in the key of f minor and is set in common time with a moderate dance groove yeah me and Gallagher's voice me and aaron knew that by e3. the way yeah you guys figured that out yeah he's his voice ranges from an e3 to an f sharp four in the song and you both knew that duh yeah yeah, yeah, like of course we're we were talking. We were talking about it off air. We were like, "Oh yeah, that's how he sings it." Whatever you just said. So, so what's <laughs> funny if you know Aaron and I who look up like songs to play on guitar, it will actually say it's in the key of F, F sharp minor. So we do. We uh, no joke. We actually knew that. Hey, so, you are real musicians, win. the two of you. Real musicians. Uh, the easy to play song became a fast favorite among novice guitarists, who, as legend has it strummed the tune of every coffee shop, music store, and house party from since it dropped in 1995. It was still going strong in 2012 when a number of memes started cropping up on the internet featuring images of musicians with the tagline, anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yep. <laughs> Just like I did at the start of the show. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh -huh. uh, one of the earliest examples uh, features a grinning guy saying, I don't know that one. Here, let me play Wonderwall again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Noel Gallagher learned of its ubiquity when he got a frosty reception from guitar store employees. He told Guitarist Magazine in 2002, after Morning Glory came out, I was in Manchester and went to this guitar shop, and there was a sign banning people from playing Wonderwall. Hey. Uh, when I walked in, they all groaned. <laughs> Effing hell, man. Do you realize how many, how many times you've heard Champagne Supernova and Wonderwall over the last six months? So, yeah. Uh, the radio edit of the song clocks in at an acceptable three minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, it was the album's fourth single. It was released on October 30th, 1995. Uh, the UK single features uh, Round Our Way, the Swamp Song, and the Master Plan on the B-side. The US single uh, swaps the Swamp Song for the wonderful talk tonight that we mentioned and omits the Master Plan 
Well, Wonder, uh, which is also a good song, so that's too bad. Yeah, Wonderwall, uh, or sorry, uh, the Swamp Song is just an instrumental. Yes. Uh, but Master Plan is a banger. Uh, the whole yeah. Master Plan, like B sides, release LP, which yes. is you know all basically a, a collection of B sides that that Oasis had released over their first couple of years of existence, is as good as any other Oasis album. Uh, except except for Pitchfork, who gave it like a three <laughs> rating, because you know. Oh. You know, we used to do a gimmick where we talk about Pitchfork on every episode of our previous music podcast many moons ago, and uh, they're hilarious. I'm sure um, that they were just upset that it was a B-side dump, but come on. Yeah, probably. So uh, they omitted out Master Plan, put include Rock and Chair, and a live cover of, get this, I Am the Walrus. Yep. It's widely available on CD Single. You can find a copy on Discogs for about 15 cents. <laughs> Uh, there was a U.S. 7-inch uh, with Round Our Way on the B-side that will run you about twenty four forty eight Canadian. Do you have it on 7-inch? I don't have it on 7-inch yet. One day. Well, twenty four forty eight. On Once upon a time, I had the single on CD. I had the, uh, they released their singles collection from their both their first albums, which I owned, but I have since yes. given away my CDs. Yes. Uh, I finally figured out a way on Discogs to uh, find out what compilations a song is on. Uh, so let's take a look at some notables. Uh, Wonderwall showed up on a number of uh, compilation uh, CDs and cassettes uh, over the years. Uh, there's a very British comp called Hits 96. We've got something called Top of the Pops 2. Uh, there's a 1996 collection called, get this, Super Hits Volume 1. Yes. Uh, Huge Hits 96, which is a big four-disc compilation that has Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger on the same disc. Mm -hmm. uh, Rock Ballads 5, there's a collection called Britpop Volume 1 that looks pretty kick-ass. Um, a cassette called The Best Footy Anthems in the World, dot, 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 ever. I don't know if Wonderwall's a footy anthem. <laughs> this one looks crazy with all sorts of Premier League anthems and other classic rock tunes uh, that have kind of become football adjacent. Would you like to take a guess at what the opening song is on this CD? On the footy anthems? Yes. Oh, man, I can't even... I, I'm not... Oh, <laughs> No, it's not a footy anthem. I was going to say that song that the band plays when we watch Britain play. But it's not that. It's not the theme from The Great Escape, but um, you would have heard it yesterday. We Will Rock You. Oh, no, that was Sorry, It's We Are the Champions. Sorry, oh. Was it We Will Rock You that, was, that Soraya walked out to? I don't even know. Yep. Oh, come on, dude. I can't remember. You know, I just didn't do my research. Aaron, did you did you have a thought maybe it was Queen? Um, no. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oasis released a box set of the uh, Morning Glory singles. Is that the one you had? I did, had? yep. Yeah, um, so it was on. It was obviously, it was, that single was part of that. As far as greatest hits packages go, uh, they have two official releases, and Wonderwall is on both. There's 2006's Stop the Clocks, and 2010's Time Flies, dot, 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 1994 to 2009. Um, out there in TV land, Wonderwall has appeared in a ton of media. Most are UK TV shows and, like, news and sportscasts. Um, but here are some other notables for our North American listeners. Um, it appeared in a 2006 episode of Nips slash Tuck, a 2013 episode of Girls, a 2013 episode of Misfits, 2014 mommy, uh, film Mommy, a 2018 episode of Everything Sucks, and um, an episode of Coronation Street that I couldn't bother to look up the corresponding year. So just sure. at some point, it was on Coronation Street. Wonderwall is the team song of Minnesota United FC of Major League Soccer. Uh, nice. They sing it after every home victory. Oh, that would be painful to watch. <laughs> Take that, Minnesota. We watched, uh, we watched some MLS this weekend. It, was, it wasn't great. Uh -huh. um, Wonderwall was used as an entrance theme by UK independent wrestler Martin Stone. Fun fact, his finisher was a DDT that he called the London Bridge. That, that would be a terrible like wrestling theme music. Come on. It really would. That's like, just not Someone good. who comes out to Wonderwall is a jobber. Yeah, really, for sure. Um, in 2002, the British Army produced a recruitment video that used uh, Wonderwall under footage of soldiers conducting exercises. The producers of the video didn't realize they needed permission to use the song, and when the Oasis denied them, they had to recall all of the videos. Good. That's awesome. Um, live, uh, in terms of live uh, live performances, setlist.fm lists 510 live performances by Oasis. It was probably more. Um, it lists 267 by Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. 181 by Liam as a solo artist, 39 uh, live performances by Noel Solo, and 15 by Liam's band BDI. Yep. Um, Noel debuted the song on UK television backstage at Glastonbury, uh, uh, broadcast on Channel 4 on June 24th, 95. 
The song was not performed by the band during the headline performance the night before. Um, the song went on to be regularly played on the Morning Glory tour, where it was typically played and sung by Noel acoustically. On occasions, however, uh, it was played full band acoustically with Liam on vocals. Uh, it was most recently played by Liam on August 22nd, 2023 in Tokyo. Yeah, Noel wasn't playing it on his tour. He did play no. Don't Look Back in Anger. Also, uh, Noel apparently, like, because he, he either wanted Don't Look Back in Anger or Wonderwall as his song to sing. And he let uh, Liam pick which one he got. So That's Liam right. chose Wonderwall. Exactly. Um, so I have seen Oasis live once uh, with you, big man. Uh, I was at what was then known as the MTS Center in Winnipeg on October 1st, 2008. So it was 2008. Uh, they played Wonderwall as the second last song before the encore. Um, Aaron, you have said that you would like to see Oasis sometime. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. It's going to happen. There's too much money on the table. Unless one of those two brothers dies, it's going to happen. It is. It's all about the money, brother. It is. Yeah, there's, like, as particularly for Liam, uh, and Liam is always uh, goading his brother on Twitter to get together and play again. And, like, they're <laughs> they're both rich, but Noel is significantly richer than Liam. So, you know, That's Liam... publishing and, and, you know, whatever, I assume. It's yeah. It's just higher. And... Right on. So hopefully one day, I know I know our friend Stu is also uh, very, once mentioned to me that you know uh, if that ever happened, he would move uh, heaven and earth to see Oasis again. So oh yeah, he'd go uh, overseas. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. Uh, on a personal note, I included Wonderwall on two consecutive mixtapes uh, between February and April 1996. That is it for the um, background and the quick stats. Do you guys have anything to add about Wonderwall and the making of and things like that? I have two things. I saw Oasis also in 2005 at uh, what is now known as Budweiser stage back then. I don't know what it was called. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Molson stage. I don't know. A Molson sure. Amphitheater in Toronto. And uh, mm -hmm. they would have played Wonderwall, but I can't remember in the set. And also, apparently... <laughs> Noel Gallagher, uh, well, there was, people thought that Noel Gallagher had written it about his girlfriend and then later wife, Meg Matthews, yes. uh, mm -hmm. who he later divorced. But yes. of course, he said that wasn't about her. It was about an imaginary person. So Yes, and we will talk more about that oh, as we get to lyrics. Damn it. All right. Okay. Spoiler alert. Just ruining my segues. Yes. Um, lyrics. Um, according to Song Facts, the general consensus is that the song is about Noel Gallagher's then girlfriend Meg Matthews. Oh, really? Who's compared with who is compared with a schoolboy's wall to which posters of footballers and pop stars are attached. Uh, Noel told Select Magazine at the time, "It's about my girlfriend. She was out of work, and that that and that a bit down in her luck. So it's saying, so it's just saying, cheer up and and get on with it. <laughs> so uh -huh. he said to Select Magazine at the time that it was about his girlfriend." According to the Wiki and you, apparently, in the last segment, after Gallagher and Matthews divorced in 2001, he said the song was not about her. The meaning of that song was taken away from me by the media who jumped on it. And how do you tell your missus that it's not about her once she's read that it is? It's a song about an imaginary friend who's going to come and save you from yourself. Come on, dude. <laughs> so good. Uh huh. Uh, more from Song Facts. The original title was Wishing Stone. That's a good name change there. Um, Noel Gallagher recounted in 2013 that the name came from a girl who he took back to his hotel room. She had this stone in her pocket that she insisted I had. He said, I thought it was a great title, and the song came out of that. I That Wishing Stone was the, the title of Wishing Stone came from that, not Wonderwall. So the song was called Wishing Stone for a long time until one day he was listening to George Harrison's album, Wonderwall Music, and he thought, brilliant, I've got a Beatles connection. So he just stole the title from a Beatles, uh, a Beatles adjacent song. Not the only time they'd steal from the Beatles. No, no. So according to our AI pal, ChatGPT. Oh boy. Yes, Wonderwall is often interpreted as a song about yearning love and the complexities of relationships. The term Wonderwall itself doesn't have a concrete meaning in the song's context, context, and Noel Gallagher has never provided a definitive explanation for its meaning. However, he has mentioned in interviews that the term was inspired by George Harrison's use of the word Wonderwall in the film Wonderwall from 1968. <laughs> and that's, I believe, that the Wonderwall music album is the soundtrack. So anyway, anyway. Uh, the lyrics of the song suggest themes of longing and a desire to connect with someone emotionally. The speaker in the song seems to be expressing a mix of frustration and fascination with another person, perhaps reflecting the ups and downs of a romantic, romantic relationship. The lines, because maybe you're going to be the one that saves me, can be seen as a plea for emotional rescue or salvation from the challenges of life. Sure, could be. Overall, <laughs> and then overall, Wonderwall has become one of Oasis's most 
iconic and enduring songs known for its catchy melody, melody, memorable lyrics, and emotional resonance. It's often often considered a quintessential Britpop anthem of the 90s. The song's meaning can be open to interpretation, allowing listeners to connect with it in various ways based on their own experiences and emotions. Thank you, ChatGPT. I mean, Aaron, by the time you're in high school, you're not going to even need to do homework anymore. Like, ChatGPT is just going to do everything for you. So... Yep. And right now it gets things Maybe, wrong, yeah. but eventually it'll get over. Have you written any uh, songs using ChatGPT yet? I've tried to, but it just does not work. It dis- like drumming, they think drumming works with um, tablature for some reason. Stupid. Uh, okay. Jerk. Ridiculous. Yep. Some of them are seven on drums. Oh, terrible. <laughs> terrible. Um, I enjoy the line in the song, backbeat to the word is on the street. That the fire in your heart is out. I also enjoy how the beat kicks in on the word backbeat. That's awesome. You guys have any lyrics that you enjoy? I like Alan? the violin or whatever it is. Called. Yeah, you like the cello in there? Yeah. That's nice. Absolutely. Uh, Big man, what about you? Any, any uh, thoughts on, on your favorite lines? I mean, the lyrics in this song aren't very good. Uh, and there aren't many of them. My favorite line involving Wonderwall is actually from a Travis song called Writing to Reach You, where they say, what's a Wonderwall anyway? That's right. We will uh, we will mention that later. Oh, uh, oops! In, 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 in our covers and samples, it's right. not a cover. Who sampled likes yeah. to include vocal interpolations. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway, don't take our word for it, folks. Um, let's let's take a look what they're saying on the internet about Wonderwall. Oh boy! Um, from the comments section over at Song Facts, Will from London writes: Oasis are shite. Always have and always will be. The song gives you headache. Because of his whiny, out-of-tune voice. <laughs> okay. Um, he's not out-of-tune. Sorry. No. He's not. But very whiny. Um, I mean, it's a little whiny. Sure, it is whiny. But... And I mean, if you hear him live, it's not always in tune, so... No. Well, no. But, um, yeah. So, anyway, um, Jeff from Cambridge writes, I wish Noel had sung this instead of his talentless thug of a brother. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, because there's someone on Team Noel. I, I love, too, though, how, like... Liam's the thug. Noel's just like a gentleman. <laughs> They're both assholes, everybody. Just saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, here's a great name uh, from Seattle. Veddy Edder writes, <laughs> pretty good song, horrendously overplayed, though. Okay. Um, some folks uh, write about liking a cover of Wonderball by Ryan Adams. A, and Joe from Fort Meade, Maryland replies, Last time I checked, the guy's name was Brian Adams with a B. <laughs> you know what? Brian Adams would probably sing a pretty good version of this. So He probably would. Uh, over on Song Meetings, there are 618 comments about Wonderwall. Yes. Um, there's so much arguing about Oasis versus the Beatles. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I was able to mine a few gems, so here we go. Um, one Style writes, here's my opinion. When you are laying in bed wondering, you tend to stare at a wall. Hence, Wonderwall. <laughs> it's about helping it's about someone who is always interesting. Someone you can always wonder about. Uh-huh. Thanks, One Style. Thanks, buddy. Um, sweet and Spicy 656 writes, I don't get it. What is he talking about? It sounds to me like he's about to get into a fight, but he's scared. <laughs> my opinion. Okay. I, I guess. Uh, Necronic writes, the song's not about love. It's about looking up to someone you respect that eventually puts you in your place, brings you back to reality. How many of you have role models? A lot of you have role models and you don't even know it. Well, you'll never know what this song is about when you see someone you respect that achieves great things in life that you want that you want to be like. I'm not talking Donald Trump or whatever. Someone you are close to and can reach out to you. Wonder Wall, a Wonder Wall. Wow. Uh, I have no idea. Uh-huh. He thought more about that than, than Noel Gallagher did writing the song. Absolutely. And finally, uh, Park Eleven writes, it was so magic when we were coming back from a drama excursion. This is a bus full of kids who love to perform and didn't mind making an arse of themselves. And I had the whole back of the bus singing Wonderwall. It was fantastic. One of the greatest songs to sing in a chorus along with Coldplay's Fix You. To that I wrote, theater kids. Am I right? Uh Uh-huh. But also, uh, we're no strangers to getting a bus going with an anthem. Yes, tell Aaron that story. Because we've uh, talked about it on the show before. But, yes. On but a, let's, uh, let's give Aaron a taste. On one of our band trips, which maybe one day you'll be taking, uh, in a long yeah. bus ride, uh, we had the uh, we had the uh, all of our friends singing to the Men on a Mission theme song, which goes, throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't, like care. You just don't care. If you're ready to get busy with Men on a Mission, everybody say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Good. 
And then I believe we, we were waiting in line at the border to cross into the states because our bad trip was to Minneapolis. Yeah. When you say when we say whoop, you say there it is. Say whoop. There, <laughs> whoop, it, there it is. Yeah. So so we were pretty. Uh, cool. Any other thoughts on the lyrics there, guys? Very original. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Cal. <laughs> right. All right, let's go to reception. Aaron, you had some kind of a diss against the uh, against the Gallagher's. Can well, yeah. Say it now. Um. As a guitarist, I like this song, but this is the one song that guitarists hate more than the brothers hate each other. Yes. The only <laughs> the only requ- request you'll ever get. I also got in an argument this year with kids um, about what Oasis song is better. They only knew Wonderwall, though. So. Uh-huh. Right. What, what, I do like that line, though, about how they, they, they play it more than the Gallagher brothers fight. That's amazing. What, uh, well what, what Oasis song is better than Wonderwall, according to you, to when you want to stump all those little nerds? Morning Glory is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love playing is. hello to them because they think that Wonderwall's going on and then it just starts yelling <laughs> yes! hello instantly. She's all psych! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, so Wonderwall uh, entered the Billboard Hot 100 on January 27th, 1996, number 21. It was between Brandy's sitting up in my room, open parenthesis, from wait from open quotation marks, waiting to exhale, close parenthesis, close, uh, no, close quotation mark, close parenthesis. Yes. Uh, so sitting up in my room. Uh, Janet Jackson's Runaway, uh, sitting up in my room is pretty standard R&B for the time. It would go on to hit number two. Uh, I wrote, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Runaway had already peaked at number three and is actually a pretty good song. Um, Wonderwall would peak at number eight in the U.S. on March 9th, 1996. Uh, that's you know, kind of kind of a month after we made our infamous Brandon trip. Yep, peaked at number eight in the U.S. Uh, the rest of the top ten that week. At number one, we have Mariah Carey and Boyz II Men with "One Sweet Day." Um, fun fact: One Sweet Day debuted at number one and spent sixteen weeks at number one. Uh, this was the fifteenth week of its run at that point. I believe that it also replaced, if I'm not mistaken, a Boyz II Men song that ran for a long time before it. Either that or a Boyz II Men song after that. They were at the top forever. Yeah, something. I can't. I, I, I have to look that one up, but yes. Um, sitting Up in My Room is number two. Uh, number three is Mary J. Blige with Not Gonna Cry uh, from Waiting to Exhale. Uh, number four, the Tony Rich Project with Nobody Knows. Uh, I've, and that includes me because I have no idea what this song is. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, five, Everything But the Girl with Missing. Number six, one of the big man's favorite songs ever, Be My Lover by La Bouche. <laughs> yes. Joan Osborne with One of Us at number seven, Wonderwall at eight. Number nine, Gin Blossoms with Follow You Down slash Till I Hear From You. What a one-two punch of a single, I gotta say. Uh-huh. And at number 10, uh, R. Kelly featuring Ronald Isley, down low, open parenthesis, nobody has to know, close parenthesis. You know, his song titles sound dirty. It's disgusting. It's just gross. Um, Wonderwall hit number five on the U.S. Adult Alternative Songs chart, number 36 on the U.S. Adult Contemporary chart, number 30 on the U.S. Adult Top 40, number 17 on the U.S. Dance Single Sales chart, uh, number nine on the U.S. Mainstream Rock chart, and number 10 on the U.S. Mainstream Top 40 chart. It also hit number one on the U.S. Alternative Airplay chart on December 30th, 1995, and as a special treat, here is the rest of the Alternative Top 10 that week. At number uh, Wonderwall, number one, and number two, Bush with Glycerine. <laughs> yes. Um, and number three, Pearl Jam with I Got It slash Long Road, uh-huh. uh, their American Ball EP. At number four, we've got an Aaron favorite, uh, The Smashing Pumpkins with 1979. Ooh. Uh, number five, Folk Implosion the na- uh, with Natural One. Number six, My Friends by Red Chili Peppers. Number seven, Collective Soul, The World I Know. Number eight, Pumpkins again with Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Uh, number nine, Everclear with Santa Monica, though Billboard listed as Santa Monica, watch the world die. Because, you know, you can't just have a title. Nope. you got to have what's sung in the chorus to describe it to people. And at number 10, Seven Mary Three with Cumbersome. Uh, Wonderwall would stay at number one on the alternative uh, airplay chart for 10 weeks. Internationally, it was a smash. Number 10 in France, number nine in Denmark and the Netherlands, eight in Hungary, seven in Belgium, six in Austria, Five in Norway, two in Iceland and Ireland, and number one in Australia, Scotland, and New Zealand. In the UK, it peaked at number two during the week of November 4th to 10th, 1995. Uh, the rest of the UK top 10 that week. Uh, at number one, Robson and Jerome with I Believe slash Up on the Roof. Uh huh. Wonder Wallet two. Coolio with uh, Gangsta's Paradise at number three. Yes. 
a queen a queen song heaven for everyone at number four okay e17 at number five with thunder we've got missing at number six by everything but the girl uh meatloaf at number seven with i'd lie for you and that's the truth Ugh, gross um number eight madonna with you'll see number nine is simply red with fairground and number 10 def leppard when love and hate collide oh man all right yeah you guys just saw def leppard yeah we did we were at def leppard a few weeks ago it was uh, Eric, awesome, wasn't it? What was the best? Yeah. What was the best track? I like "Bring on the Heartbreak." Yes. But yeah. I noticed wa- watching the Def Leppard concert how much British bands love them rocking their like um flag on top of their instruments. Oh yeah. Yeah. The yeah. bass. What was it? Yeah. You um bass UK flag um the Sav- headphones UK yeah. flag. I have this yeah. Noel I have this Noel Gallagher Funko Pop right here, and it has the um, and it has the UK flag on the guitar. Oh yeah, they they love the Union Jack. Uh, um, yeah. well, uh, we we did enjoy Def Leppard, but uh, Motley Crue though they were surprisingly better, eh? Yep. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that there and there's Def Leppard this uh, week of November fourth to tenth, nineteen ninety five, at number ten. Okay. Big man, you have uh, something to add? Uh, I was just gonna say, <laughs> did Motley Crue play "Hanging with the Homeboys" or what? They did not. Oh no, man! Unfortunately, they didn't. They just played Doctor Feelgood. All right. Uh, here in Canada, Wonderwall entered the RPM Top 100 on January 8th, 96, at number 99 in the Gretstone spot. Yes. Uh, between Ashley McIsaac's Devil in the Kitchen Ooh. and Tom Petty's A Higher Place, um, Devil in the Kitchen was also debuting that week and uh, is a fun little fiddle ditty. It sure is. Straight out, straight out of Cape Breton. It would peak at number 53, and Higher Place is fairly boring and had previously peaked at number 5. Okay. As you know, boomers. Yep. Guys. Uh, Wonderwall peaked at number five in Canada on March 4th, 1996. The rest of the RPM top 10 that week is very similar to the American missing at number one. Uh, one of us at number two. At number three, though, Hootie and the Blowfish with time. Yes. Uh, World I Know at four. Wonderwall at five. Alanis Morissette uh, with Ironic at number six. Uh, one Sweet Day at number seven. 1979 at number eight. At number nine, it's Melissa Etheridge with I Want to Come Over. And at number 10, Seal with Don't Cry. It's a way better list in Canada. Yeah, for a- sure. As usual um, in the 90s. Uh, the 90s, uh, Aaron, we've done this. Uh, whenever we look at the Canadian charts in the 90s, they're so great. Just so much so much like rock music and not just straight pop. It's it's awesome. So here's your, uh, your RPM Magazine tidbit. I had to choose the day of Wonderwall's debut. Because the March 4th, 96 issue was not readily available online. So I'm going to go back to January 8th, 96. And here was an article that caught my eye. Uh, this is not from, uh, this is, uh, this one's not from Walt Says. This is an article. So I'm going to read it to you here. Here we go. Warner Music Canada streamlines website address. On December 1st, 1995, Warner Music Canada became the first Canadian major label to launch a comprehensive website. And now, to make the site more easily accessible, Warner has streamlined the website address to www.warnermusic.ca. Uh, just a little background: website addresses in the mid, in the early and mid '90s, so long and complex. Oh yeah, it was terrible. Like the- domain names that are just like simple things, like and .ca probably hadn't been around for anybody to use at all either. So it was a big deal that they got WarnerMusic.ca. So uh, Warner City, the website, is a colorful, interactive virtual city where net surfers can find the latest music videos and touring information on Warner's domestic roster. The site also has hot hyperlinks to a number of other music-related homepages, such as Much Music, radio stations, and U.S. labels. Users can travel through Warner's city via subway, taxi, plane, and boat. Once in each location, they will discover the homepage of various artists, as well as clues to hidden rarities in interactive games, with prizes ranging from t-shirts to autographed CDs. Where appropriate, band pages will also have hot links to other sites on the web related specifically to them. WarnerMusic.ca was designed and built by Toronto-based Caught in the Web. The site incorporates the most up-to-date and cutting-edge applications. Sure. Netscape 2.0, server push animation, and real audio. The designers are already working with Hot Java and Virtual RML and will incorporate them into the site as they become available. I love this because all this stuff probably looked terrible yep so here i am in my taxi it's a little animated <laughs> gif of like a taxi <laughs> um back in the day aaron me and your dad were some of the first within our friend group to get the internet and it was yes. so exciting to send emails to each other <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever once alan sent me an email from where were you in bc 
Oh, I was I was not in Winnipeg, and it was like, oh my goodness, you're getting an he wasn't email in Winnipeg, and he's like, I'm emailing you from here, and he just told me all the things he was doing. Oh, it was pretty and amazing. It was it was tremendous. Because before that, um, before that, when we would go on trips, we would write long letters to each other and then keep them yes. in a, bo- a shoebox under our beds. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't want to forget Walt Grealis, the editor of um, of RPM. So we got a little look at uh, the Walt says column. Here's something that he wrote. Pirates getting nasty? Get this. The International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, IFPI for short, has closed its operation in Markham, Ontario. Apparently, the local pirate CD factories have hired hitmen to follow through on hits. If the IFPI's office in Canton doesn't lay off and try to clean up the pirating of CDs. These aren't small-time operations. It's big, big business for these guys. Someone hinted there's a Canadian connection with one of the pirate operations. A Canadian who had a similar operation in the Philippines a few years ago. Pirating CDs. Well, what's the thing? Uh, And one more from Walt. He writes, the ketchup bandits? What company sent a large tin of ketchup to one of its major competitors with a note suggesting that when meatloaf comes back, it tastes better with ketchup? (laughs) I assume that's about meatloaf. I'm guessing. Who was supposed to sell, like, a lot more copies on on the heels of his last big album in, like, 1993. And then he didn't. I don't know. Anyway, um... That's RPM Magazine. Wonderwall has been certified 11 times platinum in Australia, three times gold in Germany, four times platinum in Italy, six times platinum in the UK, and gold in Mexico, New Zealand, Norway, and the US. Uh, It has been streamed over 1.7 billion times on Spotify. And the official video sits at 454 million uh, views on YouTube uh, since 2013, and we're recording this on the 28th of August. If you don't have the fact already, it was the first song from the 90s to hit 1 billion streams on Spotify. Yes, that's awesome. That's a fun fact that I did not have. Also on Um, YouTube, it has more like 800 million because it has two different music videos. uh, It has two second difference. Yes, see, look at it. This is why we have him on the show. Well, yeah, we don't we don't know how to mine holds holds us in check. Yeah, and we don't know how to mine the internet like he does. What do I know about you about the YouTube's? We got excited. I I, I emailed you from BC, and it was exciting. That's our internet experience. So, Greatest Hits Radio revealed Wonderwall to be the UK's most streamed song of the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. The station broadcast a countdown of the top 300 most streamed songs from the last three decades of the 20th century in October 2022, and the song took the top spot. Am I surprised to see Wonderwall at the top of this chart? No, said Noel Gallagher on receiving the news. Of course he said no. Of course that. He's not surprised. Um, the first two Oasis albums and all the big hits from them are generally up at the top of these charts of the greatest songs of all time. It's funny. I kind of act like he's being, you know, like, like um, vain, but he's right. He's, yeah, he is. Uh, Gallagher added tongue-in-cheek. He'd have preferred to top the list with a song that he sang <laughs> rather than one that Liam sang. I'd rather have Don't Look Back in Anger there. <laughs> of course. He said, uh, frankly, it's a better lead vocal. <laughs> yes, there's a there's another uh, B side that became an A side called Acquiesce. Yes, and uh, it's both brothers singing in it, and people were like, "Oh, isn't that nice?" It like the lyrics yes. sound like they're about being together and like working together. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they asked Noel about and he's about singing the chorus, and he's like, "I had to sing it because Liam can't hit the high notes." <laughs> <laughs> so you know. Ah, uh, this is a fantastic episode. Uh, Wonderwall won the British Video of the Year at the 96 Brit Awards. Uh, the other nominees were Country House, so uh-huh. Oasis won that one. Uh, Pulp with Common People, uh, Radiohead with Just, and Take That with Back for Good. That's a ridiculous um, like list of great songs, including the Take That song, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. All, all five are solid, yep. um, and, and solid to awesome. Uh, Oasis uh, won the British Album of the Year and the British Group Awards um, at the 97 Grammys. Uh, Wonderwall was nominated for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a, by a Duo or Group. It lost to So Much to Say by the Dave Matthews Band. Uh, the other nominees were Stupid Girl by Garbage, 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins, and Sixth Avenue Heartache by the Wallflowers. Uh, um, Noel was nominated as the writer for Best Rock Song, but lost to Tracy Chapman for Give Me One Reason. Uh, the other nominees were Cry Love, uh, written by John Hyatt. Uh, Sixth Avenue uh, Heartache was written by Jacob Dylan for the Wallflowers. Um, Stupid Girl for Garbage and Dave Matthews for Too Much. At the 96 MTV Europe Music Awards, Wonderwall won in the category of Best Song. Uh, the other nominees, uh, Killing, Me Softly by the F- Killing Me Softly by the Fugees, Stupid Girl again, Alanis Morissette for Ironic, and Pulp with for Disco 2000. 
It all, they also won for Best Group, and they were nominated in the Best Rock category. Um, the American magazine The Village Voices, Paz and Jop's Critics Poll, ranked it at number 11 on its annual year-end poll of 95. The following year, it was ranked number four, uh, tied with Common People. Uh, it was on both lists because it was popular in both years. All right. Um, in May 2005, Wonderwall was voted the best British song of all time uh, in a poll uh, conducted by Virgin Radio. In 2006, it was named the second greatest song of all time uh, in a poll conducted by Q Magazine. Uh, it finished behind Live Forever. <laughs> of course. Uh, in 2006, U2's guitarist The Edge named uh, Wonderwall one of the songs he most wishes he'd written. Hmm. Uh, in May 2007, NME placed Wonderwall at number 27 on its 50 greatest indie anthems ever. On uh, In June 2007, NME stated that Alex James bases a blur who had been longstanding rivals of the Oasis said, I wish I'd written it. He's got a great voice, uh, Liam. So that's what he said. <laughs> okay. And in 2009, in July, Wonderwall was voted number 12 of the hottest 100 of all time, conducted by by Triple J in Australia. In March 2016, it was voted greatest British song of all time by Radio X listeners. And in September 2021, Rolling Stone placed the song at 95 on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Uh, Steve Balton from Cashbox picked Wonderwall as his pick of the week uh, back in 95, describing it as a perfect example of melodic pop. He added, following the more up-tempo riff of Morning Glory, this single will remind listeners of the anthemic single Live Forever, a track that generated massive airplay on multiple formats last year. Look for some results for this lovely near ballad, a simple sweet song. It shows why Oasis is rapidly becoming one of music's great singles bands. Um, That's reception. I'm ready to go to covers and samples if you guys are. Here we go. So, as mentioned earlier, you can hear a little bit of Wonderwall at the beginning of Hello!, uh, Aaron uses that to psych out his friends. <laughs> yes. Um, that, of course, is the song that kicks off the album What's the Story, Morning Glory. Uh, at the end of Wonderwall, you can actually hear a tiny snippet of uh, Supersonic. Yep. Uh, Oasis debut single from the first album, uh, 94 is definitely Maybe. Who sampled lists 74 instances of Wonderwall being sampled in other songs. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, as usual, there are a bunch of these listed that are just lyrical uh, or musical interpolations, like uh, how the guitar riff kind of sounds similar in writing to reach you um, or how they actually mention Wonderwall in, uh, in that. Is that the same song, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, also kind of how Green Day's Boulevard of Broken Dreams sounds very similar. Yeah. Aaron, have you noticed that? Yeah, it can. It's, but better it's similar, but that's, they put that. So the website we use is called who sampled. And so they would list that as a, as a sample. It's not a sample. It's just, it's just, you know, uh, sometimes a coincidence and sometimes not, but it's not an actual sample. In fact, in late 20, 2006, Noel Gallagher accused Green Day of ripping off Wonderwall. Of course. Uh, saying, if you listen, you'll find it's exactly the same arrangements as Wonderwall. They should have the decency to wait until I'm dead before stealing my songs. <laughs> I mean... I at least... Hey, he wrote, I at least pay the people I steal from. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Again, I'll say, though, these are not actual samples. As far as actual samples go, it's pretty much all mashups. Mm. Uh, the most notable for us would be on 2006's Once Again by Girl Talk. Oh, yes. Uh, who sampled list 84 covers. I'm not going to go through them all. I'll just pick some notables. Paul Anka did a cover of Wonderwall in 2005. I wrote It Sucks. Cat <laughs> um, Power's version is decent, as is Ryan Adams. Uh, the Mike Flowers pop version from 1995 is super annoying. Uh-huh. Um, fun fact, the Mike Flowers version actually reached number two on the UK singles charts. Yep. Um, just a couple months after Oasis did, I, I, it was during Christmas of 95. Uh-huh, of course it was. People buying up the easy listening version of Wonderwall for their, for their friends and family in the UK. Uh, on New Year's Day, 1996, it earned silver certification uh, from the BPI for sales greater than 200,000 copies. Yep. Um, Noel Gallagher mentioned that when BBC One premiered the song, they jokingly claimed that they had found the original version of Wonderwall. Gallagher, who had been in America at the time, was surprised to be asked by one of his record company executives if he'd actually written the song. They, they'd they only heard the other one because executives are stupid. Yep. Um, there are way too many string quartet covers, uh, but the ones I listen to aren't horrible. Um, there is a pop punk cover by a group called Cartel from 2006 that is not great. Um, the 8-bit arcade version from 2021 is pretty underwhelming. Okay. Um, but the 8-bit universe cover from 2016 is quite sassy okay and features hand claps and rolling tom fills yes it's pretty good uh and of course the twinkle twinkle little rock star little cover from 2012 is lovely 
Um, according to the Wiki, American rapper Jay-Z often has his crowd sing Wonderwall after his song Jack and Jay-Z, which includes a reference to Noel Gallagher's criticism of the rapper's involvement in the typically rock-centric Glastonbury Festival in 2008. Uh-huh. Um, it launched a war of words between Jay-Z and Oasis uh, with uh, their rhythm guitarist Jem Archer describing Jay-Z's actions as, a, as akin to an eight-year-old. After Oasis broke up, Jay-Z later claimed he would like to work with Liam. Of course. So, <laughs> of course. Finally, Radiohead recorded a bootleg cover of the song in which Tom York sings many incorrect lyrics and cuts out mid-chorus when a background voice says, is this abysmal or what? It's always good to make fun of Oasis. Oh, Jesus. Thanks. (sighs) Um, Um, You missed one. You missed one. Yeah, the best one, of course. Uh, the uh, Jamie C uh, covered yes. this one on uh, August twenty eighth, two thousand and twenty three, at the start of the Super It's podcast. Amazing! If, Super, if you can now listen to you on Apple Music, yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, the, it's you know, Wonderwall Super Hits intro version. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to the video. Here we go. Uh, so there were apparently two new mer- music videos. I'm just going with the official one listed on YouTube. Aaron, you said you watched two different ones? No, I'm too lazy. I'm pretty sure too they're lazy. both the same, but two seconds different. I don't know. Uh, got it. So anyway, the original music video to the song was conceived by Joanna Batista, was filmed by director Nigel Dick at Unit 217B in Woolwich, London on the 30th of September, 95. The filming of the promotional video took place during the brief period when Giggsy quit the band uh, and was replaced by Scott McCloud, who appears in the video along with the four other members of the band. Scott McCloud in the video. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, I'm just going to go through some notes. Um, If you want to butt in, please butt in. If not, wait till the end and I'll call on you if you have any other thoughts. All right. For me, it's a classic black and white video, which always means it's artistic. At first, I thought it was Liam walking into the flame, into the frame wearing the world's most giant pair of pants. <laughs> then I realized it was a clown, <laughs> and I immediately was unhappy. Uh-huh. Um, the clown puts on the Oasis record on a super old turntable. We get that sweet crackle and hiss as the song starts. Uh, then there's a wide shot of Noel strumming on a chair. We get multiple cuts that push us closer to the side of his head. Yep. Um, we get saw blades swinging from the rafters. An old-timey showgirl adjusts her outfit in front of a bunch of hanging acoustic guitars. I wrote at this point, God, I already hate this clown. <laughs> uh, Liam sings into a little mirror, which is kind of nice. Um, the band looks totally bored, uh, which makes sense given it's Oasis. Uh, I said that Liam's shades are atrocious because yes. uh, that style that he had, uh, those John Lennon specs, shaded specs were terrible. It's the mid nineties. So of course there's a cello in the song and we get to see it. Uh, I wrote at this point, is that a cowboy? Uh, we'll get back that one later. I like watching Whitey drum. I love his technique. I wrote, God, this clown is making my blood boil. Now he's got a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> Um, now the Clats hound is the Clats hat is blue, and so is Noel's guitar. We get another shot of a a juggler. Uh-huh. Um, I like the shot with all the superimposing and Liam's face in the middle. I say it's the best part of this video, and then after that, I wrote, "What superimpose?" <laughs> you're you're just sad that that juggler wasn't a juggalo. <laughs> I know, <laughs> with the face paint, right? Yes, kind of looked like a, like a juggalo. Um, there's a nice four panel shot of Bonehead strumming away. Uh, now the clown is juggling and I want to die. Uh, the blokes are playing foosball and darts because, you know, British people. Uh, we get a different four panel shot of Noel making funny faces. What a little stinker. And oh, hey, that cowboy is just some kind of a slot machine. Noel sings backup vocals into a little megaphone right into Liam's face. Uh, there are more shots of the band sitting around playing the song and sitting and it goes on for a bit but that's all I've got do you guys have anything to add about the music video Um, whenever I watch the music video um, when I first watched it I thought it was filmed in like the 50 in like um, the 50s yeah then was surprised when it was in the 90s and I oh the black and white right yeah I kind of thought the Beatles copied them but turns out it's the other (laughs) way around I love it. Well, and the nineties the nineties to you are basically the fifties to us. So they are. That's all I don't even want to think about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Beatles and the Beatles are almost into public domain in like in like thirty years. Yeah. yeah. You'll be yeah. you'll still be quite young. You can gank all that music for free. That's right. Make your own Beatles albums. 
Um, anything to add, Big Man, or should we rate this video? Um, I just wrote uh, it's in black and white, except there are the occasions where Noel's guitars show up in color. Yes. Uh, yeah. We have them. Uh, the drummer is using a, a traditional grip, which is rad. Uh, I thought that that guy with the record player was in a lion costume. <laughs> yes. So, you know, there's that. Uh, yeah, everyone looks bored. And uh, I'll get to my last comment before we uh, before we rate this one. Here we go. Let's rate this thing. All right. All right. Let's start with Aaron. Aaron, we're going to start with the video uh, out of 10. And if you have any thoughts, uh, you can add them here. But let's let's hear your rating. I'll give it a four because it's quite boring to watch. It is not entertaining at all. Right on. All right. They just all look like they want to fall asleep or die. Absolutely and true. I, I do totally this, agree. and I and I also want to when I'm watching that music video. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, big man. Uh, so Oasis at that time could just do anything, and they'd be fine. Mm. Like they they when I went over to the UK in 1996. The top three albums were definitely maybe What's the Story, Morning Glory, and an, like an interview with Oasis on CD was number three. Yes. Uh, so all the magazines were all Oasis. There were a whole bunch of magazines called, get this, Oasis. Yes. <laughs> so they could have put out anything and they would have been fine. I feel like they were just like, I don't know, let's just try a whole bunch of stuff. There's, yeah, there's, there's shots where it's like, you know... Uh, 16 frames of like each of their faces four times on the screen and uh-huh. you know different you know they got circus freaks in the video and I don't know what they were going for it feels like it's just a bunch of random stuff I'll give it a five all right um I mean I think it's fine the cloud makes me the clown makes me mad but I do like some of the techniques used uh in in the video the band generally looks so bored but do show a few flashes of having fun which is a nice touch Overall, it's not terrible, but it's nothing special. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Uh, the song, Aaron, Wonderwall, out of ten. Well, I like the song. It's like it's a guitar's worst nightmare, but I haven't had much experience with it. <laughs> Wonderwall, I know, is basically the Smells Like Teen Spirit for me because every single kid in my school asked me to play Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yep. It's yep. now so annoying, but um, I've some fond memories attached with it. I'll give it a six. Yeah, a I six also, out of ten. I also remember hearing a story about how my dad used to play um, Wonderwall at church with my um, librarian, my current librarian at school, <laughs> and how the me, kids loved it. Me and the Kyle it. man went, went, went on a, uh, a youth gathering where we were chaperones, and we played Wonderwall on the balcony. That would have been 1996. Oh, so it's really, it's really, it's really dirty. Uh-huh. So, so thanks for that one. Glad I brought you on, Aaron. Yep. Hey. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so, Big Man, your thoughts? Uh, not my favorite Oasis song, probably because it's, you know, played to death. But it's yeah. Oasis. It's great. It's a classic. Uh, I'm giving it a solid seven. Um, obviously, this was a big hit back in late 95, early 96. I wasn't a huge Oasis fan previous to Morning Glory, but um, Wonderwall definitely put the band on my radar. It's not like a tremendous song or anything. But it always brings back all the feels. Um, I really like the drums. Uh, I think Noel's bass playing is top notch. Uh, so much that I remember, uh, like I mentioned earlier, being disappointed on how it sounded hearing it live. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. I think it's a good song, and it just, it's got a little bit of that extra uh, classic factor from uh, my uh, you know early, late late teens. So seven out of ten from me. All right. What do you got cooked up for us next week, buddy? Well, <laughs> the subject matter of our next song, uh, it's a good thing we won't have your son on because we're going to play talking about a song called We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off <laughs> Yes, by Jermaine Stewart. So uh, that'll be the subject of the song. By the way, a song that's a lot more like innocent and poppy than the title would uh, would suggest. So well, that's it's, about, we it's about we don't have to take our clothes off. That's right. So it's actually quite, quite nice. That's it's, right. It's, uh, it's a positive message. Hey, Aaron, thanks for coming on, pal. That was, uh, I was really glad that, that you could get a chance and, and yeah. uh, we'll have to have you back again. Cause uh, this was a, this was a good episode. Oh. I have one more story about Wonderwall. Do it. Okay. It's in my, in my um, class. I remember, I, um, I remember I was sitting around a table with my friends and one of them just got into their Beatles phase and I told mm-hmm. them to listen to some, to some Oasis and they said it sucked. 
I then checked their playlist. Their first song on their playlist was Wonderwall. <laughs> I mean, it's the same yes. thing. Come on, dudes. Like, you Come can't on. you can't be like, I hate Oasis. Unless you don't like Oasis specifically because they ripped off the Beatles. Like, yeah. But it, yeah. but how can you dislike Oasis they're musically? Like jerks and you just don't respect them as people. Oh, were the Beatles yeah. really nice people? Come on. No, probably. Well, John Lennon was. <laughs> yeah, we've gone down that road before. So, anyways, yes, we have. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, that that's it for us. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening, folks. Do you want to give some plugs there, uh, Alan? Oh yeah, Super Hits Podcast at uh, Gmail dot com. If you want to request a song or check us out on Instagram at Super Hits Podcast. I'm not promoting the other website anymore. And uh, you can catch me anywhere. Slip with five eyes or sleep. I am uh, Jamie C. Megamix.com.com is my website. And uh, thanks again to Aaron. Uh, and we'll have to have you on another time. But yeah, next week we're doing uh, Jermaine Stewart. So we'll look forward to that. See you. Have a good also, night, friends. Um, the new Wonderwall is dropping on uh, um, Apple Music by yeah. Jamie Kerr. Oh, my God. oh, yeah. Let's go oh, and check oh, it out. Five stars. Go check it out and <laughs> give it some love. We need the money. Oh, terrible. Bye. Bye.